0: chapter 4 of celebrated crimes volume 7 part 1 ali pasha by alexandre dumas translated by george burnham Ives. this LibriVox recording is in the public domain chapter 4 in december the souliots decimated by battle worn by famine discouraged by treachery were obliged to capitulate the treaty gave them leave to go where they would their own mountains excepted The unfortunate tribe divided into two parts, the one going towards Parga, the other towards Prevesa. Ali gave orders for the destruction of both, notwithstanding the treaty. The Parga division was attacked in its march and charged by a numerous body of Scipitars. Its destruction seemed imminent, but instinct suddenly revealed to the ignorant mountaineers the one maneuver which might save them. They formed a square, placing old men, women, children, and cattle in the midst and protected by this military formation entered parga in full view of the cutthroats sent to pursue them less fortunate was the prevesa division which terrified by a sudden and unexpected attack fled in disorder to a greek convent called zalangos but the gate was soon broken down and the unhappy suliotes massacred to the last man the women whose tents had been pitched on the summit of a lofty rock beheld a terrible carnage which destroyed their defenders Henceforth, their only prospect was that of becoming the slaves of those who had just slaughtered their husbands and brothers. An heroic resolution spared them this infamy. They joined hands, and chanting their national songs, moved in a solemn dance round the rocky platform. As the song ended, they uttered a prolonged and piercing cry, and cast themselves and their children down into the profound abyss beneath." there were still some suliots left in their country when ali Pasha took possession of it these were all taken and brought to janina and their sufferings were the first adornments of the festival made for the army every soldier's imagination was racked for the discovery of new tortures and the most original among them had the privilege of themselves carrying out their inventions there were some who having had their noses and ears cut off were compelled to eat them raw dressed as a salad one young man was scalped until the skin fell back upon his shoulders then beaten round the court of the Seraglio for the Pasha's entertainment, until at length a lance was run through his body and he was cast on the funeral pile. Many were boiled alive and their flesh then thrown out to the dogs. From this time the cross has disappeared from the Selleid mountains, and the gentle prayer of Christ no longer wakes the echoes of Sully. During the course of this war, and shortly after the death of Emina another dismal drama was enacted in the Pasha's family whose active wickedness nothing seemed to weary the scandalous libertinism of both father and sons had corrupted all around as well as themselves this demoralisation brought bitter fruits for all alike the subjects endured a terrible tyranny the masters sowed among themselves distrust discord and hatred the father wounded his two sons by turns in their tenderest affections and the sons avenged themselves by abandoning their father in the hour of danger. There was in Yanina a woman named Euphrosyne, a niece of the archbishop married to one of the richest Greek merchants and noted for wit and beauty. She was already the mother of two children when Mukhtar became enamored of her and ordered her to come to his palace. The unhappy Euphrosyne, at once guessing his object, summoned a family council to decide what should be done. All agreed that there was no escape and that her husband's life was in danger on account of the jealousy of his terrible rival. He fled the city that same night and his wife surrendered herself to Mukhtar who, softened by her charms, soon sincerely loved her and overwhelmed her with presents and favors. Things were in this position when Mukhtar was obliged to depart on an important expedition. Scarcely had he started before his wives complained to Ali that Euphrosyne usurped their rights and caused their husband to neglect them. Ali, who complained greatly of his son's extravagance and regretted the money they squandered, at once struck a blow which was both to enrich himself and increase the terror of his name. One night he appeared by torchlight, accompanied by his guards at Euphressyne's house. Knowing his cruelty and avarice, she sought to disarm one by gratifying the other. She collected her money and jewels and laid them at Ali's feet with a look of supplication these are only my own property which you restore said he taking possession of the rich offering can you give back the heart of Mukhtar, which you have stolen Euphrosyne besought him by his paternal feelings for the sake of his son whose love had been her misfortune and was now her only crime to spare a mother whose conduct had been otherwise irreproachable but her tears and pleadings produced no effect on Ali, who ordered her to be taken loaded with fetters and covered with a piece of sackcloth to the prison of the Siraclio. If it were certain that there was no hope for the unhappy Euphressini, one trusted that she might at least be the only victim. But Ali, professing to follow the advice of some severe reformers who wished to restore decent morality, arrested at the same time fifteen ladies belonging to the best Christian families in Janina. A Wallachian, named Nicolas Janko, took the opportunity to denounce his own wife, who was on the point of becoming a mother, as guilty of adultery, and handed her also over to the pasha. These unfortunate women were brought before Ali to undergo a trial of which a sentence of death was the foregone conclusion. They were then confined in a dungeon where they spent two days of misery. The third night, the executioners appeared to conduct them to the lake where they were to perish. Euphrosyne, too exhausted to endure to the end, expired by the way. And when she was flung with the rest into the dark waters, her soul had already escaped from its earthly tenement. Her body was found the next day and was buried in the cemetery of the monastery of Saint Anargiers, where her tomb, covered with white iris and sheltered by a wild olive tree, is yet shown. Mukhtar was returning from his expedition when a courier from his brother Veli brought him a letter informing him of these events. He opened it. Euphrosyne, he cried, and seizing one of his pistols, fired it at the messenger who fell dead at his feet. Euphressyne, behold thy first victim! Springing on his horse, he galloped toward Janina. His guards followed at a distance, and the inhabitants of all the villages he passed fled at this approach. He paid no attention to them, but rode till his horse fell dead by the lake which had engulfed Euphrosyne. and then taking a boat, he went to hide his grief and rage in his own palace. Ali, caring little for passion, which evaporated in tears and cries, sent an order to Mukhtar to appear before him at once. "'He will not kill you,' he remarked to his messenger, with a bitter smile. And in fact the man, who a moment before was furiously raging and storming against his father, as if overwhelmed by this imperious message, calmed down and obeyed. "'Come hither, Mukhtar,' said the pasha. Extending his murderous hand to be kissed as soon as his son appeared I shall take no notice of your anger But in future never forget that a man who braves public opinion as I do fears nothing in the world You can go now, but when your troops have rested from their march You can come and ask for orders Go, remember what I have said Mukhtar retired as submissively as if he had just received pardon for some serious crime, and found no better consolation than to spend the night with Veli in drinking and debauchery. But a day was to come when the brothers, alike outraged by their father, would plot and carry out a terrible vengeance. However, the port began to take umbrage at the continual aggrandizement of the Pasha of Janina not daring openly to attack so formidable a vassal the sultan sought by underhand means to diminish his power and under the pretext that ali was becoming too old for the labour of so many offices the government of thessaly was withdrawn from him but to show that this was not done in enmity the province was entrusted to his nephew elmas bey son of Suleiman and kienitsa Kienitza, fully as ambitious as her brother could not contain her delight at the idea of governing in the name of her son Who was weak and gentle in character and accustomed to obey her implicitly she asked her brother's permission to go to tricala to be present at the installation and obtained it to everybody's astonishment for no one could imagine that ali would peacefully renounce so important a government as that of thessaly however he dissembled so skillfully that everyone was deceived by his apparent resignation and applauded his magnanimity when he provided his sister with a brilliant escort to conduct her to the capital of the province of which he had just been deprived in favour of his nephew he sent letters of congratulation to the latter as well as magnificent presents among them a splendid pelisse of black fox which had cost more than a hundred thousand francs of western money he requested elmas bey to honour him by wearing this robe on the day when the sultan's envoy should present him with the firman of investiture and kianitza herself was charged to deliver both gifts and messages kianitza arrived safely at tricala and faithfully delivered the messages with which she had been entrusted when the ceremony she so ardently desired took place she herself took charge of all the arrangements elmas wearing the black fox pelisse was proclaimed and acknowledged as governor of thessaly in her presence my son is pasha! she cried in the delirium of joy My son is Pasha, and my nephews will die of envy. But her triumph was not to be of long duration. A few days after his installation, Elmas began to feel strangely languid. Continual lethargy, convulsive sneezing, feverish eyes, soon betokened a serious illness. Ali's gift had accomplished its purpose. The police, carefully impregnated with smallpox germs taken from a young girl suffering from this malady, had conveyed the dreaded disease to the new pasha, who not having been inoculated died in a few days the grief of Kianitsa at her son's death displayed itself in sobs threats and curses but not knowing whom to blame for her misfortune she hastened to leave the scene of it and returned to janina to mingle her tears with those of her brother she found ali apparently in such depths of grief that instead of suspecting, she was actually tempted to pity him, and this seeming sympathy soothed her distress, aided by the caresses of her second son, Aden Bey. Ali, thoughtful of his own interests, took care to send one of his own officers to Tricala to administer justice in the palace of his deceased nephew, and the porte, seeing that all attempts against him only caused misfortune, consented to his resuming the government of Thessaly this climax roused the suspicions of many persons but the public voice already discussing the causes of the death of elenas was stifled by the thunder of the cannon which from the ramparts of janina announced to epirus the birth of another son to ali salik bey whose mother was a georgian slave fortune seemingly always ready both to crown ali's crimes with success and to fulfil his wishes had yet in reserve a more precious gift than any of the others that of a good and beautiful wife who should replace and even efface the memory of the beloved Emina. the porte while sending to ali the firman which restored to him the government of thessaly ordered him to seek out and destroy a society of coiners who dwelt within his jurisdiction ali delighted to prove his zeal by a service which cost nothing but bloodshed at once set his spies to work and having discovered the abode of the gang, set out for the place attended by a strong escort. It was a village called Plikovitza. Having arranged in the evening, he spent the night in taking measures to prevent escape, and at the break of day attacked the village suddenly with his whole force. The coiners were seized in the act. Ali immediately ordered the chief to be hung at his own door, and the whole population to be massacred suddenly a young girl of great beauty made her way through the tumult and sought refuge at his feet ali astonished asked who she was she answered with a look of mingled innocence and terror kissing his hands which she bathed with tears and said oh my lord i implore thee to intercede with the terrible vizier ali for my mother and brothers my father is dead behold where he hangs at the door of our cottage but we have done nothing to rouse the anger of our dreadful master my mother is a poor woman who never offended anyone and we are only weak children save us from him touched in spite of himself the pasha took the girl in his arms and answered her with a gentle smile thou hast come to the wrong man child i am this terrible vizier oh no no you, you are good you will be our good lord well be comforted my child and show me thy mother and thy brothers they shall be spared thou hast saved their lives and as she knelt at his feet overcome with joy he raised her and asked her name Basilessa, she replied Basilessa, queen it is a name of good augury Basilessa thou shalt dwell with me henceforth and he collected the members of her family and gave orders for them to be sent to janina in company with the maiden who repaid his mercy with boundless love and devotion let us mention one trait of gratitude shown by ali at the end of this expedition and his record of good deeds is then closed compelled by a storm to take refuge in a miserable hamlet he inquired its name and on hearing it appeared surprised and thoughtful, as if trying to recall lost memories. Suddenly asked if a woman named Nuzza dwelt within the village and was told there was an old, infirm woman of that name in great poverty. He ordered her to be brought before him. She came and prostrated herself in terror. Ali raised her kindly. "'Dost thou not know me?' he asked. "'Have mercy, great vizier.' answered the poor woman, who, having nothing to lose but her life, imagined that even that would be taken from her. I see, said the pasha, that if thou knowest me thou dost not really recognize me. The woman looked at him wonderingly, not understanding his words in the least. Dost thou remember, continued Ali, that forty years ago a young man asked for shelter from the foes who pursued him. Without inquiring his name or standing, thou didst hide him in thy humble house, and dressed his wounds, and shared thy scanty food with him. And when he was able to go forward, thou didst stand on thy threshold to wish him good luck and success. Thy wishes were heard, for the young man was Ali Tepelini, and I who speak am he the old woman stood overwhelmed with astonishment she departed calling down blessings on the pasha, who assured her a pension of fifteen hundred francs for the rest of her days but these two good actions are only flashes of light illuminating the dark horizon of ali's life for a brief moment returned to janina he resumed his tyranny his intrigues and cruelty not content with the vast territory which owned his sway he again invaded that of his neighbors on every pretext. Phocis, Metolia, Acarnania, were by turns occupied by his troops. The country ravaged and the inhabitants decimated. At the same time he compelled Ibrahim Pasha to surrender his last remaining daughter and give her in marriage to his nephew Aden Bey, the son of Kianitsa. This new alliance with the family he had so often attacked and despoiled gave him fresh arms against it whether by being enabled better to watch the pasha's sons or to entice them into some snare with greater ease. Whilst he thus married his nephew, he did not neglect the advancement of his sons. By the aid of the French ambassador, whom he had convinced of his devotion to the emperor Napoleon, he succeeded in getting the pashalik of Moria bestowed on Veli and that of Lepanto on Mukhtar, but as in placing his sons in these exalted positions his only aim was to aggrandize and consolidate his own power he himself ordered their retinues giving them officers of his own choosing when they departed to their governments he kept their wives their children and even their furniture as pledges saying that they ought not to be encumbered with domestic establishments in times of war turkey just then being at open war with england He also made use of this opportunity to get rid of people who displeased him, among others, of a certain Ismael Pacho Bey, of who had been alternately both tool and enemy, whom he made secretly to his son Veli, professedly as a pledge of reconciliation and favor, but really in order to despoil him more easily of the considerable property which he possessed at Yanina. Pacho was not deceived, and showed his resentment openly. "'The wretch banishes me.' he cried pointing out ali who was sitting at a window in the palace he sends me away in order to rob me but i will avenge myself whatever happens and i shall die content if i can procure his destruction at the price of my own continually increasing his power ali endeavored to consolidate it permanently he had entered by degrees into secret negotiations with all the great powers of europe hoping in the end to make himself independent and to obtain recognition as prince of greece a mysterious and unforeseen incident betrayed this to the port and furnished actual proofs of his treason in letters confirmed by ali's own seal the sultan selim immediately sent to janina a capigibachi or a plenipotentiary to examine into the case and try the delinquent arrived at janina this officer placed before ali the proofs of his understanding with the enemies of the state ali was not strong enough to throw off the mask and yet could not deny such overwhelming evidence he determined to obtain time no wonder said he that i appear guilty in the eyes of his highness this seal is certainly mine i cannot deny it but the writing is not that of my secretaries." and the seal must have been obtained and used to sign these guilty letters in order to ruin me. I pray you grant me a few days in order to clear up this iniquitous mystery, which compromises me in the eyes of my master the sultan and of all good Mohammedans. May Allah grant me the means of proving my innocence, which is as pure as the rays of the sun, although everything seems against me.' after this conference ali pretending to be engaged in a secret inquiry considered how he could legally escape from this predicament he spent some days in making plans which were given up as soon as formed until his fertile genius at length suggested a means of getting clear of one of the greatest difficulties in which he had ever found himself sending for a greek whom he had often employed he addressed him thus thou knowest i have always shown thee favour and the day is arrived when thy fortune shall be made henceforth thou shalt be as my son thy children shall be as mine my house shall be thy home and in return for my benefits i require one small service this accursed uh, Bachi has come hither bringing certain papers signed with my seal intending to use them to my discredit and thus to extort money from me of money i have already given too much and I intend this time to escape without being plundered, except for the sake of a good servant like thee. Therefore, my son, thou shalt go before the tribunal when I tell thee, and declare before this Bachi and the Cadi, that thou hast written these letters attributed to me, and that thou didst seal them with my seal, in order to give them due weight and importance.' the unhappy greek grew pale and strove to answer what fearest thou my son resumed ali speak am i not thy good master thou wilt be sure of my lasting favor and who is there to dread when i protect thee is it the Baji? he is no authority here i have thrown twenty as good as he into the lake if more is required to reassure thee i swear by the prophet by my own and my son's heads that no harm shall come to thee from him be ready then to do as i tell thee and beware of mentioning this matter to any one, in order that all may be accomplished according to our mutual wishes more terrified by dread of the pasha, from whose wrath in case of refusal there was no chance of escape than tempted by his promises the greek undertook the false swearing required Ali, delighted, dismissed him with a thousand assurances of protection, and then requested the presence of the sultan's envoy, to whom he said, with much emotion, "'I have at length unravelled the infernal plot laid against me. It is the work of a man in the pay of the implacable enemies of the sublime port, and who is a Russian agent. He is in my power, and I have given him hopes of pardon on condition of full confession. Will you then summon the Kadi?" the judges and ecclesiastics of the town, in order that they may hear the guilty man's deposition, and that the light of truth may purify their minds?" The tribunal was soon assembled, and the trembling Greek appeared in the midst of a solemn silence. "'Knowest thou this writing?' demanded the cadi. It is mine. And the seal? It is that of my master Ali Pasha how does it come to be placed at the foot of these letters i did this by order of my chief abusing the confidence of my master who occasionally allowed me to use it to sign his orders it is enough thou canst withdraw uneasy as to the success of this intrigue ali was approaching the hall of justice as he entered the court the greek who had just finished his examination threw himself at his feet assuring him that all had gone well "'It is good,' said Ali. A "'Thou shalt have thy reward.' Turning round, he made a sign to his guards, who had their orders and who instantly seized the unhappy Greek, and drowning his voice with their shouts, hung him in the courtyard. This execution finished, the pasha presented himself before the judges and inquired the result of their investigation. He was answered by a burst of congratulation. "'Well,' said he, "'the guilty author of this plot aimed at me is no more.' i ordered him to be hung without waiting to hear your decision may all enemies of our glorious sultan perish even as he a report of what had occurred was immediately drawn up and to assist matters still further ali sent the kapijibachi a gift of fifty purses which he accepted without difficulty and also secured the favor of the divan by considerable presents the sultan yielding to the advice of his counselors appeared to have again received him into favor but ali knew well that this appearance of sunshine was entirely deceptive and that selim only professed to believe in his innocence until the day should arrive when the sultan could safely punish his treason he sought therefore to compass the latter's downfall and made common cause with his enemies both internal and external a conspiracy hatched between the discontented pashas and the english agents shortly broke out And one day, when Ali was presiding at the artillery practice of some French gunners sent to Albania by the governor of Illyria, a Tartar brought him news of the deposition of Selim, who was succeeded by his nephew Mustafa. Ali sprang up in delight and publicly thanked Allah for this great good fortune. He really did profit by this change of rulers, but he profited yet more by a second revolution, which caused the deaths both of Selim, who the promoters wished to re-establish on the throne, and of mustafa whose downfall they intended mahmoud the second who was next invested with the scimitar of othman came to the throne in troublous times after much bloodshed in the midst of great political upheavals and had neither the will nor the power to attack one of his most powerful vassals he received with evident satisfaction the million piastres which at his installation ali hastened to send as a proof of his devotion assured the Pasha of his favour, and confirmed both him and his sons in their offices and dignities. This fortunate change in his position brought Ali's pride and audacity to a climax. Free from pressing anxiety, he determined to carry out a project which had been the dream of his life. End of chapter 4 Recording by John Van Stan Savannah, Georgia